Welcome back to the Love Your 9 to 5 show, episode number 14. My father was a great father. He, he had a drinking problem, but he was a great father. Caution, you will begin to love your 9 to 5 with this show. Join us as we explore and discover your unique strengths and learn to apply them to your daily business activities with your host, Shmuel Septimus. I'm very excited to introduce my guest for this episode. Today's guest is Marcia Amar Singh. Marcia is someone who I actually met in my other life as a nursing home administrator. And Marcia came in in order for us to discuss some of her skills for her substance abuse counseling and for her, for us, for her to help us. Uh, with this new challenge. So, Marcia, thank you for taking so much time, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Jamal. It's a pleasure. And before we get too far ahead, if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you've, um, you ended up in the work that you're doing currently? Yes. So, my very first profession, fresh out of high school, was um, dental school. So, I did dentistry, um, graduated as a dental nurse, and practiced dentistry for maybe about five years in my country. Um, I found that while I was sitting in the chair with, with patients, I was doing counseling. So I decided... Do you mind just to, sharing with our audience uh, where, which country you're from? I'm from Jamaica. Okay, because we actually have <laughs> yeah. listeners in various countries. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, so excellent. I hope my Jamaicans are, are also listening. Right. Yeah, so I found myself counseling a lot in the dental chair, and I decided that I would go back to school and study psychology, which I did. Um, so I did my first degree and that wasn't very marketable and I decided to go further and do my master's. Um, once I finished my master's, I basically knew exactly what area of psychology I was going to go in. Um, that has always been in me ever since I remember about five years old, um, which I can explain how that um, sparked my curiosity at that very young age. Um, I am from a family of alcoholics. Um my father himself was an alcoholic. And um, I remember growing up and my uncles would, you know, get drunk and they would um, be somewhat aggressive and misbehave. And, and that has always sparked my curiosity why they behave very differently when they're sober from when they're drunk. Um, it also caused other emotions in me, um, of course, embarrassment, guilt, and all of that. And so I decided that that was the area I was going to focus on when I graduated from psychology school. Okay. So did that come from a place of never wanting anyone else to suffer the embarrassment that you did? Absolutely. I remember in high school um, when there was this particular girl, I she I don't know what was her problem, but I remember her saying to me, oh, your uncle is an embarrassment. And and that really got to me. And I, I, I would never, ever want another family to to go through to that feeling. OK, so I mean, obviously, that's that would be a great motivator and what you've just shared with us is two things you've shared with us your motivation your emotional uh motivation based on your background of the, you know the behaviors that you've seen and the results it's had on their loved ones unintentional but mm -hmm. it's still negative nonetheless and at the same time you've also discovered your ability to counsel people while you know while your patients are on the dental chair Right. Which sometimes yeah. the reason why you can be so successful is because they can't talk back. 
<laughs> but actually on the contrary they 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 spoke a lot and even after the 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 meeting mm-hmm. um in the chair they would actually call and I would always be open to having conversations and they would call sometimes and talk to me really similar to what we're doing yes. right now yeah I didn't meet you on the dental chair I met you in the conference room <laughs> but at the right. same time um I do want to hear more about uh, you know about what you're doing so Let's move on to what, what you, you know, tell us what you've done since then and how that brought you to where you are today. Yeah. So my first job in this field was working on an um, Alcoholics Anonymous line in my country, um, which I did for about a year. And then I migrated to the United States. I came here and I started working as a direct care staff, but on the substance abuse residential um, program. And so I immediately moved my way up to um, case manager and then clinician for that same program. And I worked at that facility for another four years, um, after which I moved into in-home therapy, then in-home behavioral therapy. I also did outpatient. Um, And I did that for another three, four years. Mm -hmm. And then I moved into detox. So I worked in a detox facility and also I worked in the jail. So I worked as a substance abuse counselor um, with incarcerated individuals as well before moving into a SOAP program, which is a structured outpatient addiction program. And then now my own private practice. Wow. Wow. So it seems like you've been in the field of substance abuse or alcoholism um, for most of your career. And um, tell us just a bit, little bit about your growth in your most recent venture um, within, the, within the nursing home world. Yeah. So I started um, my private practice last year. I'm a little, little over a year, now, um, a, a year now. And within that time, I was contacted um, by a nursing home. They were having many, many difficulties with the Department of Public Health in that they were having substance abusing clients, but they had no service for them. And so they reached out to me because of my qualifications as LDAC-1. And so I contracted and immediately um, they were pleased. Just for the listeners, what what does that mean, LDAC-1? So the LDAC-1 is is a therapist who specializes in addiction and alcohol counseling and is able to practice independently. Okay, go ahead. So then um, I, I contracted with that that company and I did that for 20 of their nursing homes initially later on I contracted for 23 and so because there I realized quickly that there was a need for this service in the nursing homes and skill rehabilitation facilities I started um, branching out looking at different agencies and marketing myself um, sending letters and informing them that I'm able to do the service and also retaining staff. So I started looking for LDAC clinicians and aftercare me- um, service members as well. And that's kind of where I am right now. Wow. Okay. So in your humility, you make it sound like it's a, nat- it's a natural progression from where you started till now. But you shared with me that you've, you only came over, I think it was 11 years ago. And um, for those not in the nursing home world, um, this is something that every, as a nursing home administrator myself, uh, every conference for the last few years or every meeting of nursing home professionals and probably other healthcare professionals as well 
is about this new challenge which has never been dealt with appropriately before, which is when we have the baby boomers who are now coming into our nursing homes. And now I I think, Marcia, you shared this with me, that there's 30% of them have a history of substance abuse. Is that correct? That is correct. Right. 30% of the baby boomers have hep C. And hep C is a bloodborne um, disease. It's usually spread among substance abusers. So it's pretty much safe to say that maybe about 30% of the baby boomers have a history of substance abuse. Right. So in, in the past, those who had a history of substance abuse was a very, very small percentage of those who ended up in nursing homes. So just, yes. just to put this into context, so this is basically you're coming... Come any person coming from another country and getting acclimated itself is a tremendous challenge. And but then you know setting up a private, working your way up to setting your own private practice, and then really exploding into the industry of substance abuse and really being the only clinician that I'm aware of or the only group that that's really dealing with this you know head on. And um and I'm and I've already see, you know seen some of the tremendous progress you've made in such a short amount of time, and uh, you know I'm and I'm sh- I'm certain that in the future it's going to grow even further. Yes, and I, I did move ahead. Um, I did move ahead of the game, so I actually got my license to practice and operate in Connecticut and also Rhode Island. So I'm looking not just to Massachusetts, but I'm looking for surrounding states as well because mm-hmm. i know the need is so is so great now this show is not a show about nursing homes or substance abuse but what the show is about is is um defining your unique passion and applying it successfully to your professional environment now you've clearly defined well your passion not not only have you defined your skill uh, your skill in listening to people and guiding them along in whatever the challenges were and i assume on the dental chair they weren't just substance abuse issues. I'm sure there were right. there were other issues too. Is that correct? Yes, there is. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Um, but but then coupled with your personal experiences that you know and your personal suffering that really helped you um, along in your journey. Yes. Now, if I was to ask you, and again, um, putting you on the spot here a little bit, um, mm-hmm. if I was to ask you that if there's somebody else who has not yet had the level of success that you have had. And they have not yet actually gone down this road um, of knowing what their passion is, or maybe they know what they're passionate about in the in the way that uh, that you know what you were passionate about just based on your on your childhood. But they still haven't found a way to apply it. Um, you know, how how do you think that the way that you applied your passion um, and your skills, you know, to the substance abuse group? How do you think someone else who's still struggling with this can can find their their passion, and also apply it the way that you did? Well, I think, first of all, they could identify some of the things that they really like to do. Um, I would hate to know that I'm waking up every morning and I'm going to a job that I, I, I'm i just looking for money um, or I'm looking for, you know, different compensation. I want to know that I get up and I go to something that I really, really enjoy. And so I think once you identify something that you enjoy, you should go for it. It does not matter um, what field it is. Um, because you could be a great person um, digging digging holes or planting crops. You know, you could be a great person um, being a neurologist. You know, I just, I don't think it should matter. And I think we're able to excel at anything that we are passionate about, no matter what. Awesome. So that is so true. 
Um, but sometimes we're caught up with you know what society tells us about certain positions and certain jobs, and that maybe one is more prestigious and one maybe more financially re- rewarding, and we don't realize that if we do that which we are really cut out to do and that which the skill set that we really have, you know that way we'll be the most successful. Maybe not financially successful. Um, right. We may not become you know the next Bill Gates or Steve Jobs. Right. But we will wake up every day fulfilled and probably financially we'll do pretty well too. I agree. And I do not measure success on just financial gain. Um, I think I'm very, very successful when I hear a mom who has a teenager suffering from addiction comes to me and say, thank you very much. You've made my day. My son is clean. Um, He's not using and I don't have to worry about him overdosing. So I measure my success in that way. Well, well. Well, right, and I guess that this is how others uh, should view it as well. Now, is there any particular person that you can name or any particular book perhaps that you've read that has been helpful for you and something that would be inspirational for you, um, you know, to help shape your career into what it's turned into? So there are two books. One I read at a very, very young age, and I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's Who Moved My Cheese? No, I am not familiar you have to read that book. I will. <laughs> it's, it's, it's about some animals and how they, you know, they were in a cheese maze and they were very comfortable with just having the cheese. And, and one day um, the cheese moved. There was no cheese. And so they had to start looking for new cheese. And one was just stuck. He could not move. He was just riddled with, you know, guilt and, and shame and you know, that life was treating him unfair and the other just kind of get up, put the shoes on and kept moving. And so that one was able to find success, was able to find more cheese, whereas the other one just kind of withered away. And it it, it brought in a lot of life situations to where, you know, um, where we could emulate about moving forward and not being stuck um, in that regular nine to five that you mentioned. And the other book, the other book is The Secret. Have you heard? Have you? I have not. No, No. two good ones. Yes, and the secret again is is that book that um, directs you in finding your own passion. I think it's written by a a monk, Mm -hmm. um, a Buddhist monk, Mm -hmm. and it tells you, you know, how to find your passion. So yes, those are my two top books. Now, now, based on your uh, career path, uh, specifically for the first book. Is that something that you found yourself applying to your career as you moved on? And was there a particular setback that you feel like you could have been, you could have said, you know, oh my gosh, this is not fair. And instead you chose to move on. Absolutely. I've had a, I've had a very, very challenging life with numerous setbacks. Um, I, I, take us to your worst professional setback that you can think of. Okay. So, Yes. So in 2014, um, three of us females decided that we were going to start a mental health clinic. Okay. And we did that. We were very, very successful. As a matter of fact, um, we within one year, we were licensed and we were also JCO accredited, which is very, very rare for a mental health clinic. And I had put a lot of work into getting this facility opened. Um, it was supposed to be equal partnership, only that it was not. And um, it was very unfair in terms of the legality of the paperwork. And I just 
um, just walked. I just got up and took my stuff and I just left. And um, and that was really, really big for me um, to be able to do that. But looking back now, I think that um, I made the right choice in walking, but it has taught me some very, very valuable lessons about partnership and going into business, just the business aspect, because I was just, again, chasing my passion and thinking the best of everyone that, you know, we're all on the same boat and we're all going to do good and we're going to save many lives. And, you know, it's going to be the best mental health clinic in, in the county. And and I guess you saw that that's, that was your motivation, but maybe others were on a slightly different page. Yes, it turned out that others were on a very, very different page. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. so that could be a barrier for others. You know, if someone is looking to start a business or even to, you know, specifically to start a business and they had, they know what their passion is and they decide that, you know, the way to do it is to create something that didn't exist, i.e. start a business. Sometimes people are concerned, you know, what happens if I, you know, all that paperwork and I don't know what it is or what happens if I don't do it correctly. And you know what? Apparently it could be bad, but it's not death. It's not professional death. As a matter of fact, looking back right now, I think that was actually a blessing because I was the person who did all the policies for the DPH um, licensing and a lot of the policies for the JCO accreditation. And it turned out that that was kind of the experience I needed to start my own private practice. It made it very easy to transition into doing all my policies. And it actually helped me when I contracted with that agency for the 20 nursing homes in helping them to come up with their policies as well. Interesting. So, so it, was... it turned out more positive than negative for me. And now, is there is there any particular person, any particular mentor that you've been following uh, that has helped you through get through some of these challenging times, um, you know, either personal or business? There is one particular um, visionary um, that I look up to. Um, you might never have heard about him. Um, his name is um, Michael Manley. He was um, prime minister for my country at one point, way ahead of his game. He was, he was, like I said, he was a visionary. And so he saw things like 10, 15 years down the road. I think now um, he would be a great um, prime minister. Back then he was viewed as a communist just because of his ideals, his, you know, his views that on you know, making preparation for your own self and be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, but I think that that would be my mentor. Interesting. Is it? And what would be the particular? I know I'm honing down here a little bit, mm-hmm. just but really it's just for everybody's benefit. Um, is there any one particular trait that he had, or a particular teaching that he taught that resonated with you the most? Yes, he was um, into identity. Um, you know, identifying who you are and um, and that you could succeed no matter what. Um, back then in the in the 60s, 70s, um, he he made sure that he stressed that education was necessary and that out of poverty, um, once you're educated, you could be whoever you want to be. And you have to realize that I'm from a third world country where 80% of the people are really, really dirt poor. Um, it's only maybe 1% of my population that actually have a university degree. And so mm. I think, yes, but I think out of that, and I think my parents too, um, especially my mom, um, she was very instrumental in school and, 
And so she was very rigid on us doing our homework. And and because of that, um, five of us actually went to university from my house, which is great in my country, very wow. unusual. So I think I, I my mom is also my mentor. Well, so that's that, that that's fascinating. I hope you don't take this question the wrong way. But you mentioned no. in the, you mentioned in the beginning of our conversation how some of your parents' behaviors are what drove you to the job that you're doing. But at the same mm-hmm. time, they were also a source of inspiration. Absolutely, and and I must quickly admit that my father was a great father. He he had a drinking problem, but he was a great father. So I think the whole conversation, um, and even just us meeting, might be worth it for what you just said, because in society, um, you know, personally, I'm not exposed to anyone in my personal social circle that suffers from this, but uh, professionally, I am. You know, we've had you know residents with a history of substance abuse or alcoholism. And sometimes we can look at them as, you know, this person is a druggie. This person has this problem. We define the person with their problem. And you so beautifully, in the same conversation, you described your parents with the problem to the full extent of the problem. You're not undermining the problem. You understand it 100%. That Mm -hmm. has inspired you to never let anyone suffer the way that you did or perhaps the way that they did. But at the same time, you still see their the wonderful, beautiful qualities that they instilled in you, and the perseverance and the ability to be from the one percent uh, mm-hmm. to stand out. And you know, you're a success by United States standards. You know, coming to which is which is which which actually is crazy. Right? <laughs> Starting from you know from where you are, and that's a great inspiration. But I just think that. To be successful as a substance abuse counselor, first and foremost, you have to understand that the person is not the problem. And I think that's awesome. Exactly. I agree with that, Shmo. Right. You have to understand that, yes. We're dealing, with, we're dealing with a person who has happens to have a problem. Your job is to help yes. them try to fix the problem. But regardless if the problem is fixed or not, it's still a person with a problem. Yes, and it is. And they're two separate things. And... Yes. Um, and you know that that might be a mind shift, which is necessary for everyone in this in this industry to you know to realize that and to mm-hmm. and to act that way as well. I, I always like to leave the listeners with something that's uh, practical and actionable, and I'm hoping that who's ever listening uh, up to this episode has already uh, already has a good idea of what they're passionate about and what their skills are, but they maybe they're look there's they might still be struggling in how to apply them to their professional settings. So if there's one piece of advice that you would give to someone who says, hey, I know I'm good at X, but how in the world do I use that either in a job or as starting a business? What would you recommend as a next step for them? Um, Back when I was probably in high school, we were very limited in terms of our different career paths. And now so many doors have been opened, um, so many different areas that you can apply your skill set to. And you have to think also very global. Um, I would never restrict myself to just one state or one country. Um, if, if, if I don't think that um, my mm-hmm. business would do well in the United States, then maybe Europe is another option. I'm just saying that never narrow yourself to, you know, or limit yourself to where you can go. Um, but just think very globally. Like for me, I'm from Jamaica, but here I am in the United States. Marcia, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Just before we let you go, if, if anyone wants to follow up with you or if they want to follow what you're doing, 
um is there anywhere on social media or any other place you know what would be the best way for them to follow you or to be in touch with you absolutely so i do have a facebook page um it's amarsing integrative counseling services llc i also have a linkedin page and it's marcia amarsing um, my email address is AICSLLC at Outlook.com. And I do have my phone number. It's my business phone number. It's 508-981-3301. I'm presently working on my website. So um, it's going to be AICSLLC.com as well. I'm not. That's not up and running yet, but it's being worked on. Well, by the time this this goes out in a couple of weeks, I'm sure you'll have it up and running, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I will. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll put a link to all of that in the show notes, so that uh, everyone will have a link to uh, to all you know to your Facebook page, your LinkedIn page, and uh, they'll have a link to your website for whenever that is live and your phone number as well. Um, and again, I really thank you for your time, and I'm sure that this can be an inspiration for others who are struggling. Uh, to apply their skills, their passion uh, to their job or to their businesses. So thank you again, Marcia, and I look forward to working with you. Thank you so much for having me. And um, anytime, and if you have any questions for anyone out there, um, feel free to call me, drop me an email. Um, I will will definitely respond. Thank you so much. Thank you. What an incredible conversation that was with Marcia. This was truly an inspiration for me, and I hope you've been inspired as well. If you've enjoyed this episode and you're enjoying the show, do me a small favor. Head over to iTunes and give us a nice review. This will allow iTunes to share this show with others looking to be inspired and take action just like you have. And finally, don't miss out on all the updates for this show and head over and like our Facebook page and hit sign up to be included in our email list as well. Looking forward to being with you next week.